Are you able to accept where you are right now? Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories. Just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and every weekend, I used to watch Formula One races from around the world with my dad. Hey, today on the show, we've got more than a life coach, Rebecca Thomas. She is an expert at holding space and generosity of acceptance with her clients today. In this conversation, we go all in, starting with her favorite story, which might surprise you, but does have something to do with fast cars. And then we go into her story full of love and acceptance and deep trauma and guarding and boundaries and and grief. We go into it all and see how is it possible to see the light at the end of the tunnel through going through all of that. Look, you're going to get a lot out of this episode. If you feel like you have been guarding yourself against being truly vulnerable in this world, or if you're looking for or hoping for the light at the end of the tunnel, this is going to give you a lot of guidance in that direction. If there's something that stands out in this episode, please share this on your social media. Don't forget to rate and review this episode on your podcast player and know that I am grateful that you are here to engage with these not boring stories because you could be anywhere in the world right now, but you're here. So enjoy this conversation with Rebecca Thomas. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I, of course, am Alex Street, and this is the place where there is no boring stories being told. And thankfully, we have Rebecca Thomas on the show today, and her story is ooh, anything but boring. And we're going to pull it all out of you and um, so that you can share this with us and we can find ourselves in this story somehow. Rebecca, how are you doing today? I'm really, really good and super excited to be here. So thank mm-hmm. you for having me and thank you for sharing your space. I love that. Oh, very good. Okay. This is something I don't think I've ever asked another guest or been asked on a podcast because people say, I'm really excited to be here. What are you like? What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about in this conversation? I just love, I love unpacking things. Like I love getting clarity and just having new epiphanies around things. And when you have conversations with different individuals, you just find that different pieces get drawn out that just lead to a better understanding. And when you can unlock that piece of yourself, especially as a life coach, mm-hmm. then you can then take that lesson and give it to others to use as well. So I always love having nude conversations, even if it's yeah. about the same type of thing that I've talked before, because those new threads always come up and provide use someplace else. So Yes. Totally yeah. agree. I love that. Threads. I love the idea. As soon as you said unpacking, I love unpacking things. I got this immediate visual of moving and you pack all these things into a box and you wrap all the dishes up in newspaper and everything. And then you go and you unpack them and you were like, do I, when was the last time I used this mug? Do I really need this? And as you unpack it, it's like something new shows up and it's something that you realize you didn't need mm-hmm. or it's something that you missed dearly. Mm-hmm. That you packed in a fury and then unpacking takes a bit more time, doesn't it? And and mm-hmm. there's a bit more intentionality as you unpack it and you realize, where do I put this now in my new place? Oh, we could go deep into that metaphor if we yep. want to. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Love it. Such such a good start. Okay, let's uh let's actually start before we do dive into your story. Mm-hmm. Um you you said you told me one of your favorite stories is the Fast and the Furious. I knew you series. were going to say that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just having this conversation with my sister this morning too. And not just one of my favorite stories, but my favorite romantic movie is Fast and the Furious 6. No lie, makes me cry every time. Die hard till the end of my days. Like, not even lying. <laughs> I'm an Is that oddball. the one where they race cars and there's explosions and stuff? Uh, that like I'm a just Michael kidding. Bay That's movie? all of them, isn't it? Is that <laughs> no, not everyone? Yes, it is. <laughs> now they're introducing rockets. So, you know, let's just go there. <laughs> not over the top. Okay, so is it... Did you get in from the start, the Paul Walker days? Oh, for sure. I've been okay. in through the beginning. The funny part is, so like going back to that time in my life, I grew up around cars and helping my dad and my grandpa with a car and riding mm-hmm. motorcycles and motorbikes around the property and things like that. But at that time in my life, I was actually dating somebody who was a, a gearhead. Um, yeah. And we used to play like Gran Turismo together and watch Gone in 60 Seconds and then Fast and the Furious showed up and that it's just like a combination of the cars. Mm-hmm. And because I always say in my past lives, I think I was an island girl, a race car driver and a psychologist. <laughs> just for a side <laughs> note. Um, but then it's also like Dom and Letty and their idea of a family and what's behind that. That's the piece that really sticks out to me and also why it's my favorite romantic movie. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You just did what I love so much here because Mm -hmm. I, I would say fast and to say that fast and the furious is one of the best stories ever told. (laughs) to me is a laughable idea. Like that's exactly. just, that's, that's how I come to this. So I see that that's obviously why I pulled that out. And if the first one you saw was Toko Drift, it'd be, I completely understand. No, I, that's where I stopped though. And so, right. um, but what you just did on the surface, you're like, Tokyo Drift, what a joke. Uh-huh. Maybe not, or, sorry, Fast and Furious. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. But what you just did was make it an entirely unboring reason. Mm-hmm. for why that is so why that is okay and that also there's a bunch of other people in the world that do say that and that's fine it's totally mm-hmm. cool and you can mm-hmm. love whatever you love but for you this was now about because who i was was this girl who grew up around cars and i love this and whatever and and then i met this guy who's total gearhead and the way that we spent time was playing gran turismo and, and <laughs> watching this and this and so there's this emotional attachment mm-hmm. and then the family idea and which we're going to get into why family is so important for you and all that attachment around that so of Mm -hmm. course now you emotionally attach to these movies that seem like it's just you know fast cars like wait what you still watch those (laughs) right exactly (laughs) and but but for you there's so much more to it oh yeah and so now for us Uh there's so much more to it it's Uh so well, this is what storytelling is. And and I just think you just gave us a really clear picture nice. of exactly what we can do for people instead of just saying, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. This is why I think it. Mm-hmm. As soon as you do that, we're brought in as well. Yeah. And you've connected with us. So well done. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even mean to. I'm off to a great start. I'm Friday already. <laughs> like... That's it. This is it. What number are, are they, what is it? 10 Nine. now? 
nine. There's nine, but then they've also like there was the the Rock movie with Jason Statham. Didn't love that one. I love the oh. Rock, but like that movie was just like, oh guys, like okay, that was a like, spinoff, right? Was good effort. Yeah, I hope they haven't okay. never do another one. <laughs> but please give me more Fast and the Furious. <laughs> but I heard Vin Diesel's coming back or something like that. I don't know. Oh, Vin Maybe Diesel never left. Oh. <laughs> Again, I le- I stopped when they drifted. That was it. That was the end for me. Once Paul Walker was out. No judgment, um, man. R.I.P. Yeah. yeah, but his brother stood in the one when he passed away. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Fast and the Furious podcast, where we <laughs> <Right>? dissect. <laughs> Not even Fast so and the Furious. Like, my mind's already going, so I'm a huge Marvel fan, too. Right. Um, And not just Marvel, but comic books and like wonder woman of course and so gal gadot was actually part of the fast and furious franchise too yeah so okay. like you can't have like just the way it weaves in i'm like yeah. mm-hmm, yep yep I well thought. and this is the thing right so marvel again i would say maybe it's the same thing maybe from the outside you could see the same thing it's, it's what do you mean it's a bunch of explosives a bunch of strong people just yelling mm. at each other and fighting and what like um but what I what I love specifically, where I attach to in the Marvel series is the the origin story and how mm. that shows up because so much of the work that I do with people is bringing them to their origin story. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is jump to the explosive moments. We want to jump to the Battle of New York instead and of like the Avengers. The process. But you mm-hmm. can't do that without first understanding what Thor had to go through to get here. What mm-hmm. what steve rogers had to go through to get here what Mm -hmm. um tony stark had to go through and though those might seem like ah really Mm -hmm. they they make the first avengers movie so much more easy to jump into first of all and relatable and understandable Mm -hmm. all of it and then by the end we're all crying when Mm -hmm. which is funny because like all of these movies so i have this trick i used to do i did not used to be good at feeling my feelings at all at all at all And so like movies like the Marvel movies and Fast and the Furious, um, and there's a couple other ones too, which I'll share in a second, but like they helped me feel my feelings. Like for the Fast and the Furious, it was connecting with family that like when you have a non-traditional family and people that are actually family that aren't blood Mm -hmm. and trying to like understand and receive that, that's where Fast and the Furious played in. When you have um, like with the Marvel universe, how like how many things they do that are impossible mm-hmm. but the energy and the brilliance behind it and thinking outside of the box makes it possible so yeah. like that helped me feel more powerful and really step into like what could be possible if we stopped telling ourselves all these stories and building these boundaries that didn't wow. need to exist but then like even feeling sad like I'm a person that experiences a lot of joy and I heard something mm-hmm. from Brene Brown recently where she talked about the common factor around people who can experience a lot of joy is the fact that they can also feel those heavy, dark feelings opposed to avoiding them or numbing them or sidestepping them. And so when it came to periods of my life or times in my life when I needed to cry and I, that wasn't normal for me yet, I would watch mm-hmm. Meet Joe Black, The Green Mile, Armageddon, like all of those things. And they would help me yeah. express myself and move through the feeling until I actually knew how to do that for myself. Yeah. It's so fascinating how that this is the thing, right? This is why this is the power of story in general is because those stories helped you move through your story. They, they explain something Mm -hmm. 
that you're feeling inside and are having trouble expressing, but as soon as as soon as you see it, you visualize it, there's something there. So my, my parents both passed away nine and seven years ago, and I can attach a movie to each of them. If I mm-hmm. like if I want to cry, mm-hmm. if I like like baby face weeping crying, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go watch Finding Neverland and I'm gonna mm-hmm. think of my mom. Mm-hmm. She created Neverland. She mm-hmm. was this woman. She need and and also helped me have this young spirit that the author like it's about the author of Peter Pan, right? And so it's uh-huh. this she she inspired all of that in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm a mess. For my dad, it's the movie About Time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like weird, fun time travel, mm-hmm. but also it's this guy connecting with his dad the whole time and just wanting that that to not end. And it's mm-hmm. And what it does for me, it, yeah, it's this weird, like, I love the joy. In both of those movies, there's such joy and mm-hmm. such light spirit. And yet, I I go, that, that's it. If I want to tap into this 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 little pocket of grief that's in my life, mm-hmm. and I want to do it like that, I know exactly yep. where to go. And I think that some of us know, as you said, you're like, I know the movies that do it. I just said, mm-hmm. I know the movies that do it. There's books oh, that yeah, do it. there's a list. <laughs> right. And sometimes they catch us off guard, right? When you have oh, experienced sure. the grief, when you have mm-hmm. that, all of a sudden you're watching something. You're like, what the frick? What just happened? Like, I was just singing along with Moana and now I'm crying. What? Why? What is happening? Here? So do you want to talk about something a little deeper, especially with the grief piece? Yes, please. Okay. So uh, 2013, I lost my younger brother. He had been in a car accident about six years before that, became a quadriplegic. Mm -hmm. Um, And his soul just kind of withered after that. And then, of course, he had all the physical complications that come with becoming a quadriplegic. So between like all of those things, eventually he just kind of lost hope Mm -hmm. and he ended up passing away. So exactly one year later to the day, the person I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with passed away. So there was like all this grief that happened that was completely different. And both of these men were completely different pieces in my life. Like, and the grief that I had when my brother passed was completely different from when my significant Mm. other passed. And like, like when your brother passed, was that the first taste of grief? Like that, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, like really yeah. close and really heavy and um, mm-hmm. somebody so close to me. And then him being like, you know, he was younger than me by like eight years. So just the yeah. surrealness of that too. <clears throat> but when all of that happened, I ended up going back to the movie piece. I remember right after Jamar was my boyfriend that passed away. And when he passed away within, I don't know, a couple of weeks or something, I sat down and watched... He had always told me, like, you need to watch Silver Linings Playbook. I had no idea what it was about. So I watched that. I ended up watching, um, I think it was The Best Man 2. There were, like, three movies I watched within the course of the weekend that I was really looking forward to. And all of them had this common thread of, your partner just passed away. And I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> like, goodness. he's just in tears, but also, like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Does, and so even in that... Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate this because what I what I would normally do is like, let's go back, let's go chronologically uh-huh. through the story. But it's worth it to dive into this and see this because uh-huh. as you you face that, you experience you you now gain. I was talking about like grief is not something; it's not about losing something, but mm-hmm. you've gained something now. Mm-hmm. You you've gained a feeling, you've gained an emotion that is attached to grief, and this is now something that 
allows you to experience all the shadows, all the the fullness mm-hmm. of the colors of life. Um, and so as you go into that, how long after did you say it was that you watched those movies? Like within after my boyfriend passed away, it was within yeah. probably two or three weeks. On a weekend, but home by myself, like just. <laughs> Is really? there healing? Is there some sort of healing or or oh, for just sure. even just turning that happened through that? Um, through- I don't know about a turning, but I would say definitely a huge permission to just feel how I needed to feel and not yeah. worry, like not judge it and not try to repress it and just to move through it. Like there's this article that I love to share with my clients that talks about letting your kids move through the tunnel of emotions to reach the other side, to build resiliency. Mm. And that always helps me translate. Like all of us need to be able to feel those emotions. And instead of trying to fix it or overthink it or second guess it or meet somebody else's standard of how we should be coping, like just moving through that and getting to the other side. Isn't that so interesting? Because like, as we we're in the tail end of a pandemic, Mm-hmm. right now but I, I you go back to last march march 2020 was the most emotional two weeks i think of our society of our western mm-hmm. society and and mm-hmm. i mean there's grieving there's loss there's confusion there's fear and then you go into april and it's all what is happening what's going on and it was very there's a lot of questions there's a lot of emotions and and what we what what has been the 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 most said phrase over the past year and a bit is when things get back to normal. I just want things to get back to normal. And it's like, we all, we've all had, exactly. We've all had (laughs) to go through the tunnel, but some people, or even in those conversations, I would say we're looking back Mm. and wondering like, when's it going to get back to that? But there is no back. There's Mm -hmm. a normal that's out the window but if you really want to experience what we're going to what we're going to get from this mm-hmm. it's exactly what you're saying is we we have to so not only letting kids and there's a whole other effort in that is how do you mm-hmm. tell kids to not don't stop crying but sit with them in the crying mm-hmm. i think that's what we mm-hmm. all need is somebody to sit with yep. and somebody to help us move through that whether it's again a chronological time of like it's going to take time to move through this tunnel mm-hmm. or simply just feeling it mm-hmm. and coming through the tunnel idea is really interesting. I'll have to send you the article. It's like, yeah. like I remember the first time I read it and it was just like, just mind yeah. blown over reading it and also connecting all the dots. Well, and it's such a sense of going from there to there, mm-hmm. which is again, let's, we're focusing on stories. This is the story. And you think of even from March, 2020 to now, and mm-hmm. we're recording this August, 2021. So what's your story from then to now? Mm-hmm. And we all have this story and we've all been through something. And I guess the invitation is, have you been willing to enter in or have you been trying to, to uh-huh. turn around and go back? And oh. this is good. Um, let's. Uh... <laughs> I could see your gears moving. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> so all this from Fast and the Furious, who knew? Hey. Um, what is it we haven't even like we're 20 minutes in i don't even know what you do uh what what are you doing i mean other than just really sparking good conversations with people which clearly you are natural at you're gifted at just pulling out these 
these feelings, these emotions, and these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do that? You know, professionally, what's the main work that professionally, you're doing? Professionally, um, so it boils down to a couple of different things. One of them is my ability to hold space. So one of my superpowers is generosity of acceptance, which means. I really plug into radical acceptance, which doesn't mean that I love everything about where I am or anybody else should or anything either. It is accepting where you are instead of plugging mm-hmm. into the resistance of where you are or trying to fight it okay. and like using the hand that you're dealt and deciding how do you want to move forward. So it's taking that approach and helping other people accept themselves and giving them a place to practice doing that authentically where it's safe um, so that they can take that out into the rest of the world. Mm. Generosity of acceptance. That's beautiful. So let's, okay, so if that's where you are now, mm-hmm. and this is how you move through life now, is mm-hmm. accepting what's been dealt, accepting what you have, and figuring out what to do with it. This is how you're going through life right now. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And teaching others to do the same. Oh, yeah. If I were to guess, because you already teased us with it, um, the the a major turning point in your life or a big, you know, let's call it a climax, mm-hmm. is that year that you just described between mm-hmm. your brother dying mm-hmm. and your boyfriend passing and what that brought up for you. Mm-hmm. Am I right that you like, do you just oh, automatically yeah, that, go to like, oh, yeah, that's the turning point? Like when I go back to that time. Like I'm, I'm definitely a person like my entire life that always felt that everything had meaning. I would, I've been through some stuff and I would not go back and change a single thing. Like mm-hmm. I would want it to have exactly the same because I love who I am. And, and I is that who you who were as a, as a kid? It were is. you taught I that had, young? I, how did that come up? It's funny because I chew on how, so like we don't have enough time to describe like all the family dynamics that I have, but I have younger brothers and sisters on my dad's side. Cause I grew up in a split family that didn't have the same connection with my grandparents because my grandparents raised me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but also didn't have the same type of support and unconditional love that I had moving mm-hmm. throughout my younger life. And so I go back to it and I know that it's like my grandparents, my paternal grand- grandparents that were the ones that, built that for me and gave me that underlying like reassurance and knowing that I was unconditionally loved. Yeah. Um, and didn't, how did they show that? What do you remember? They like, were was just, it, they were know, just like, always present and there weren't arguments and there wasn't, it was just peaceful. Like that's mm. one of my core needs is peace. Yeah. Um, but it was just always peaceful and it was always okay. And it was just, always connection. And I was like, I don't know, there was just so much love between me and my grandparents. And I got to do everything with them all the time for for years. Is there a moment that that really like you think of like what my what represents kind of my childhood with them? Like, is there like where again, did they take you to the museum? And you remember that? Do you know what I mean? Like, or was it? Yeah, I was just always with them and and our family. Like, that's one of the things too. one of the difference between like my my younger siblings and, and me was the fact that it was still what everybody did, like was to always have family reunions and go meet second aunts and uncles and see third cousins. And so I knew how those, who all those people were. Um, and because I was kind of a good kid. So like yeah. when I was around, like all of our family and friends loved me and vice versa. So that was always there. 
and even though things got more traumatic as I started to get older and my dad married a second wife, it was just, I already had that foundation. And if I hadn't, if I hadn't had that, things would be completely different, hands down. And and so was that, that wasn't just you feeling that and you Mm -hmm. absorbing it. Did you, did you also go out into the world like that? You're going into school and you're like, why are they treating each other that way? Like, was there... Um, not that so much at school I can remember being very guarded we went to a small school and it like that was a whole nother mess but when I went to church or other places like that it was that way and it it wasn't I didn't have the awareness it's kind of funny because people will tell my son now my teenage son you know you're special or there's something about you and he doesn't want anything to do with that. And I can Mm. remember when I was young and a teenager, people telling me that, and I didn't push it away, but I also didn't understand it. I was just like, okay. (laughs) But people used to call me, I mean, they called me Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farms because obviously that's what you call anybody named Rebecca. Um, But they called me Sunshine. Um, One of my aunts actually still calls me Pollyanna because I always find the thing to be grateful about. So it was Mm -hmm. just like, that's what it all goes back to. And also something I remember Brene Brown talking about and really resonating with is the fact that a lot of like the resiliency and the ability to be able to fill those things is being able to plug into something that you're grateful for consistently. And that's what I do. So I would have to say going back and looking at the things with my grandparents, that's what it was. They taught me how to be grateful. They were grateful. That was just a theme that was in my entire life at that point that I carried through. Are they still around? Yeah. Yep. And still the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's not incredible. I mean, you just look at, at, at legacy, I guess. And Mm -hmm. the kind of, the, the, it's the kind of things that have you, have you talked to them about that? Have like, how intentional were they? I don't think it was intentional. Yeah. I don't think it was, I think it just was the core of who they were. And, and I have, like we haven't had long extensive conversations about it, but I I can tell you that my grandfather will call me and tell me that my card made him cry <laughs> because <laughs> I always allude to the things, again, going back to being grateful, allude yeah. to the things that I was very grateful about that they were able to give me. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing that that does stand out that I remember somebody saying to me, like, Alex, you're just so you're so grateful for everything. And this mm-hmm. is like, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago uh, more. And and I was like, like, it was it was a, it was that confusing kind of mm-hmm. moment. Of like, what do you mean? Isn't isn't this just what we How do? It goes. That's the yeah. deal, right? <laughs> and and then realizing, oh, that is actually a superpower. superpower. That is a mm-hmm. thing that I have that for whatever reason, I actually look a lot of it to my, I have a lot of food allergies mm-hmm. and so like anaphylactic. And so growing up, I hardly ate, I ate mm-hmm. cardboard and and styrofoam. Like that was, mm-hmm. it was before being vegan was cool. And so there was just no options. And, right. and so now I like, I can really pinpoint it down to like, if there's something that I can eat, I eat it and I'm grateful mm-hmm. for it. And I think that that expanded out to, if there's something that I can do, if there's something given to me, then mm-hmm. I'll do it. I'll take mm-hmm. it. And like, why would I complain? Why? Mm-hmm. And for somebody like your grandparents, who that's mm-hmm. just how they lived. Mm-hmm. But now look at you talk about this in a public forum and say who I am is because of who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's such a beautiful thing. And it's something that I think that we all have. If I were to pinpoint it to a person, it would be my mom who helped me be who I am. But you're right. Mm -hmm. she, She wasn't. How can I form Alex to be who he is? Right. That's be? what we do now because we're so bombarded with like information and awareness. You can't help but do that. But back in the day, like that wasn't there. It was just either inherently a part of who you were or it wasn't. Yeah. If you're like me, you might be showing up consistently, but you still feel all the fears and frustration of public speaking. I used to hold myself back because of this, but now as I show up more authentically than ever, I'm making more impact than ever. And I wanna help you do the same. That's why I created the Fearless Speakers Academy membership, a safe space where you can not only identify the exact fears that are holding you back from showing up, but also work on all the greatest tips and tricks that I've learned over 30 years as a performer and 20 years as a public speaker to captivate any audience. So you can show up with confidence online, on video, on a podcast, or on stage, wherever you find yourself today to use your voice and stand out from the crowd. In this membership, you'll get two live group coaching calls from me every month, as well as ongoing support through the community and all kinds of worksheets, downloads, challenges, and bonus offers along the way. It's only $15 a month. And if you go to fearlessspeakersacademy.com slash no BS, then you'll even get the first two weeks free to give it a shot and see just how much value is in there. Again, after that, it's only $15 a month. I don't think there's a better deal on the planet. Go to fearlessspeakersacademy.com slash no BS so that you can face your fears, make speaking magical, and tell a better story. Okay, so you get dealt that hand. Uh-huh. And, and you choose to receive it uh-huh. to, to be that. Mm-hmm. And you carry that through into high school and and again, you're Pollyanna. We're all's good. Like, let's just be friends. Mm-hmm. And, and then what happens? Where does that, where does that oh. begin to <laughs> twist, turn? I mean, there's so many twists and turns. Like even when you talk through all that, like, especially in my later teenage years, it wasn't all's good and let's be friends. I was so guarded and I was the mean girl, like, because I was so guarded that everybody was kept at arm's length, except for probably my grandparents and my aunt. What um, were you guarding? What were you protecting yourself from? I don't know if I've ever chewed on that piece. Just oh like boy. everything I went through. Like, there's so many things. Like I said, there's not enough time, but it was just another thing in my family at that time at home was the fact that we didn't express our emotions. We, Mm. we repressed them. We didn't talk about them. We avoided them. We avoided situations. All communication was conflict. So it was very much like probably just a lot of that stuff was pent up and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and thank goodness I was super active because if that wasn't the case, I can't imagine how that could have taken shape. But like I ran away from home when I was 16, I eloped at 18 after I knew somebody for two and a half weeks. Like it just turned into this whole, like, we're going to fail forward. Like nobody's ever seen before in their life. And that's what I threw that (laughs) eloping. Like what is, cause I hear eloping. I picture Vegas, like Uh what, 
at your 18, you're at like, 18 what, I'm gonna... in Ionia County, Michigan, it looks very much like I worked in a bar at the time I was waitressing with my best friend and still not at home. You moved, you ran away. Oh, and I, stayed away. well, I, that's a whole nother story. So <laughs> if you want to go back to that and get the cliff notes version, I ran away from home, was gone for a couple of months. My mom, who I did not grow up with, heard that I had run away from home after a couple of months, came and found me, took me back home. My stepmom told my dad that I couldn't move back in. Otherwise, she was going to leave them and take their four kids. And she was renowned for like running away with my brothers and sisters during their relationship. So my dad put me in a little travel trailer on the same property that had no running water. And that's where I had to live for half a year. It's like, this is, the, this is the thing, right? So you're, the way that you're telling your story, I don't want to come mm-hmm. back to the eloping thing, uh-huh. right but this is, what you have, I think is what's so relatable, because mm-hmm. you're talking about all these moments that, that many of us have not lived through anything like, mm-hmm. you know, like I've got all these moments, and that's a whole other story, and that's a uh-huh. whole other story, and that's a whole other story. Uh-huh. This is actually what, this is the TV series analogy, right? Like, there's this whole series of who you were and how you've changed mm-hmm. to become somebody who goes through life with this generosity of acceptance. Why? Because I learned it when I was young mm-hmm. and I learned gratitude. And now here I am being grateful and teaching others. Like there's this real beautiful transformation, mm-hmm. but all along the way, there's all these big and complicated and intricate and, and overwhelming oh, stories <laughs> that for you to show up, uh-huh. on a podcast and tell them all is truly impossible. Um, but you, what you just gave us there mm-hmm. was like an episode. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, if your your life is a TV series, what you just gave us was one episode where all that goes down. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's actually a season. I don't know. I don't know right. how much we're going to, but it, maybe it's a couple episodes, but it's, you know what I mean? Like it's that uh-huh. sort of thing where this is a really heavy one and it mm-hmm. ends up with you living in a, in a trailer on the property. Mm-hmm. And then we go forward from there. Mm-hmm. And maybe the next episode, maybe uh-huh. the next season, I don't know, is, oh, I meet this guy. I'm working at a yeah. bar. Yep. And then what? You see, so like I just, I, the, the, the beauty of this is you just get to choose. You get to choose uh-huh. what stories you tell and what you lean into and don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just don't need to be afraid of those complicated things. We just need to oh, recognize gosh, them no. as like, yeah, this is, this is a, a significant part. Mm-hmm. It's just a moment. Do we want to yeah. go into that? Like nah, it doesn't, another one. it doesn't define us. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm, one of the biggest gifts I'm able to give my clients and people that I just have conversation with is look at all these things I've been through and you can still be okay. Like you can go through yeah. these things and be okay. Like you do have a choice. You decide at the end of the day, you have the power to choose differently and you can. So if you want to understand it, that's great, but you don't have to understand it to do it. What's the other option? If people, if you're like, you can go through Sitting this stuff in and it. be okay, what's the other option? What are people Sitting thinking? in it and letting it define you. In what, like how? Um, I don't know, becoming your trauma, like becoming the thing that traumatized you and letting that lead everything that you do in your life. So because I went through this story, I because I went through rejection or I was rejected. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that... What Dreams May Come 
with Robin Williams. Oh my goodness. I saw that in, in theaters when what I, when did it come out? I must've been 13. It did not make a lick of sense to me. (laughs) So that very much. That was the worst Robin Williams movie I'd ever seen. (laughs) Like I want hook. I want Mrs. Doubtfire. Let's go see Robin Williams. What is you don't happening? Feel the heavy things, huh? <laughs> I didn't I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. Um, I've seen so, it since, and yes, it's it just it kind of reminds else. me of that. So he went to save his wife. His wife committed suicide. Suicide, and I think in the movie, like it was portrayed as she was in hell, and he couldn't save her. But it was killing mm-hmm. him not to have her. So he actually put himself in hell to go mm-hmm. get her, and ended up like absorbing all of the energies and emotions that she had become and was and then they started to take him over so it's like Mm. leaning into all of those heavy things and forgetting that we have the power to shift them or to not become them and not like refusing to feel them like we numb them or we try to bypass them or we keep reacting instead of trying to understand it or even just feel it and again move through it Mm-hmm. And when you can't move through it, like you're just going to keep bumping into it. So like, that's how it defines you. It's so interesting. This is just going to turn to a movie podcast actually, because, but this is the Wait. thing. And, and I've talked about goodwill hunting as, as well in this mm. podcast I, again, but mm-hmm. think of Robin Williams and that link of, of a, a wife who died. Yeah. Right. So he's that character in this movie who comes in and he's not willing to even talk about her. Yep. Um, and then through, and he also gives one with, of the most beautiful speeches about what love actually is. Exactly. Sitting on the bench with mm-hmm. him there. Right. And, yep. and, um, well, yeah, I, he wasn't there for the game cause he had to go see a better girl. It's uh, when, you know, you know, so this whole thing of when he goes of, of, of going into that. Mm-hmm. So he's resisting it, mm-hmm. resisting that pain. He's experienced it and he knows it, but he's resisting it. But then also through helping somebody else through his pain, he starts to release. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Williams starts to release what he's yep. gone through and realize that it doesn't have to define him. He moves on in the story. It's all mm-hmm. beautiful. And I think that's what we're getting at here, right? Uh-huh. Is like there's this effort that for you to not allow these things to define you has taken intentional mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm along the way mm-hmm. okay eloping uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> tell us this story so eloping um so i had run away from home <clears throat> i ended up halfway through that school year somehow some one i don't even know really like i've had this conversation a couple of times in the last couple of weeks I don't really know who convinced my dad to let me move in with my best friend and her dad. Maybe it was me. I don't remember that part, but I ended up moving in with them. And then we had a whole incident there. And so then my best friend and I ended up moving in with her mom, which was in a different school district. And so we moved over there. I finished finished school, but I was actually working two jobs and going to school. So I was falling asleep during class didn't graduate because I was short on my credits because I wasn't doing my work because I was sleeping in class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up getting out of school. Uh, I think we got kicked out of her mom's house at some point. Um, her mom worked third shifts and we would have people over and we would drive. We called it car tag. We would like drive the back roads with our cars and play tag, 
jump on the trampoline until three o'clock in the morning with the radio blasting like and so at some point we ended up moving out and I think I ended up moving in like with my boyfriend and his mom and sister um was there for a little while then I moved across the street with some other friends and then at some point I had started working at this bar well this bar was owned by my future husband's uncle and former brother-in-law so somebody who had been married to his sister he came home on leave from the marine corps i was totally lacking in self-worth like if i could get a guy's attention that's all it took um and i wasn't trying to but i just had no self-value like that piece was totally missing Hmm. totally codependent very needy like just all the things and he came home and I don't know if it was jokingly or not, but one night, like we got joking around about like, oh, well, if we got married, I'm in the Marine Corps, uh, but we get a cost of living raise. If we get married, I'll split it with you. And I was like, sure, why not? Um, So I made up some ridiculous story and went to my dad, told him why I needed my um, birth certificate. And he, he knew it was total BS, but he didn't say anything at the time, gave me my birth certificate. And looking back, I'm like, dad, you knew, like you knew. (laughs) (laughs) So ended up going and eloping. And I mean, we didn't even have our own witnesses. I wore a pair of jeans and my grandma's cable knit sweater. Like it was just nothing special at all. Yeah. We decided we kind of liked each other and then he got stationed in Hawaii. So then we moved to Hawaii for like a year. So that's the short version. And how long did that last? Uh, we were married for five years, but separated for three plus. Okay. So, so, so here's, this is what's, what's so fascinating. Again, what you just brought us into, we had this childhood of you of like generosity, mm-hmm. acceptance, mm-hmm. or like gratefulness. And you just brought us into, yeah. And then there was this, like, as you said, you got guarded in high school and mm-hmm. so lashed out and all this sort of stuff. And it just seems to go, um, I don't know, down where mm-hmm. it's, it's this, uh, yeah, lack of self-worth, total non-acceptance and, mm-hmm. and needing value, needing to find value wherever you can. Mm-hmm. And it takes you down all these different roads and, and difficult mm-hmm. roads. Then that happens. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's get married. I don't know. And it just seems like that's a, of course, this is what happens when you have no boundaries. Mm-hmm. you're guarded with no boundaries it's almost like that's, that's a right? true story yeah <laughs> and not Somebody a good needs one to hear that <laughs> are you guarding yourself with no boundaries come on yeah. um so okay so if if we already again we already teased this earlier but we've got mm-hmm. this this transformative year where mm-hmm. is that in relation to so when I got Where married, I was 18 now? years old. Um, when my brother passed away, I was 32, okay. 33. I was 33, I think. Um, so so like, you keep so you keep going along and and becoming what, who what who. So what the real transformation was having my son. That was the the first big gear that started shifting because. I was in a toxic, super toxic relationship with his dad. We were together for seven years. It was a mess. Um, It still is a mess. And when I had my son and looked at not only what my childhood with my dad had been, not my grandparents so much, but my dad and 
and that situation. And then my younger siblings on that side, I really started to question, like, is this, like, are these the lessons and the experiences and the the ways I want my son to define his life? Because Mm. we lead by example. So if this is my example, this is exactly what his life is going to look like too. And I also, because of being so close with my grandparents and my family, I had a lot of knowledge about our past history, like the good, the bad, the ugly, and knew where all those pieces stood and how they affected things. And so I wasn't willing anymore to take those things to him. So I started really doing a lot of personal work because I didn't want to pass those things on to him. So he was, he was the initial factor that started shifting everything But then after that, the boyfriend that passed away, when I had my son, his dad and I were still together for several years. We broke up. Eventually, I started dating again because I also, in that process, wanted to fix my dating style because obviously that was not working for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I did some a lot of work there. Um, but then all those things you were, or that you learn about good relationships, they don't just translate to romantic relationships. They translate to all relationships. Mm. So you talk about healthy boundaries and clear expectations and high standards and self-worth. Those things all started to really shift and, and provide a better platform for me or a better foundation for me. And then in, in the meantime, I decided I was, I was good enough to start dating again. So I started dating, I found Jamar and Jamar was the one who like, looking back, I can see the pieces, of course, like it didn't make sense at the time, nor was it welcome in the way that it, it played out at the time. Right. But he was the one that really taught me to love myself. Wow. Like he was the one that let me show up. He was the one that radically accepted me. He was the one that normalized expressing emotions without having to react to them like he was the one that built all those things for me Mm -hmm. and then moved it forward but when my brother passed away the other piece that really changed things there was he left me his house so we moved to a completely different city and I was a single mother raising a small child I was in the restaurant industry at the time But when I moved here, I knew if I wanted to make more money that I would have to go into management and I wasn't doing or willing to do that at the Mm -hmm. sacrifice of losing time with my son. So I ended up applying for all the jobs I didn't think I could get, ended up in an email marketing position, but then wanted to supplement my income, which then led me to Airbnb hosting out of my home. And that was the piece that led me to life coaching and Lori Harder is a big piece of that because she was the person that was in my ears all of the time while I'm doing all of this exploration. So like having my son learning how to love myself or being taught Mm -hmm. how to love myself and then being given the opportunity to have complete strangers in my home and be able to hold space for them and connect with them in a way that just. So this wasn't just Airbnb, like I'm out of town, come and use my house. This is like, I slept in a room in my house. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're interacting with all these people. One of my best friends is an old Airbnb guest. <laughs> that, so. that needs to be their slogan now. It's like bringing friendships, building yep. friendships since right. 2006. Um, uh, there's this really beautiful thing that's happening there. Mm-hmm. That, like, I almost could see that the healing 
happening over between like yeah you've got like 18 16 18 up through your 20s you've got this this separated for three years divorced then Mm -hmm. and then into another marriage and then or relationship and then Mm -hmm. that's toxic and but your son comes out of that Mm -hmm. and learning how to love him was like this opening up of your heart Mm -hmm. like your true sense of of love that you had closed off up to this point or had Mm -hmm. been in the practice of closing off and guarding Mm -hmm. yourself against you're now like oh man this this boy needs it Mm -hmm. needs me and i don't even know what that is but i i'm gonna i'm gonna learn still trying to figure that out (laughs) he's a teenager so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there's a different kind of love every stage right but but you're open Mm -hmm. and and that opening up is something that again like the relatability of the story that there's if you're listening to this and you're you feel like you're closed off there is a guard up Mm -hmm. um you know that you're capable of love. You know that, like, right? You you were telling us that that's who you're brought up. There's this deep foundation of of radical love and and, mm-hmm. and gratefulness. But then you started to close yourself off, and then have this. You produce another human. You, you create life, mm-hmm. and in that you start to find your own. And then this. And then Jamar comes into your life mm-hmm. and starts to fill in that heart that has been opened. Mm-hmm. Like once again, it's almost like a reminder of all the things that your grandparents taught you. He's now reminding you of all of that and helping you see it anew. After all the brokenness, mm-hmm. you are still whole. You are still good. You are still pure. Like all of that comes in, which allows you to move through two significant losses and find healing and gratitude and gratefulness through it, which you wouldn't have been equipped for otherwise. Oh, gosh, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> and I think that's like wow. one of the most beautiful pieces, too, is like that vulnerability. Yeah. Because I have a lot of people ask me, like, how can you be so vulnerable about things? And even Renee Brown, going back to her again, I love her if you can't tell. Oh, gosh. Um, She's his- got it. She shows up more than anybody <laughs> in these episodes. But she talks about you know, vulnerability and how like we, we don't share all the vulnerable pieces of ourselves with other people until it doesn't like, I can't remember exactly how she says it, but basically until, unless you're sure that it doesn't hold any power over you, you don't share it. But I have like being vulnerable. And that's part of what I do too, is the piece that takes that shame the guilt the whatever the judgment it takes that piece out because if I can set it on the table and talk about it and move through it and feel Mm -hmm. it and process it it doesn't have power over me yeah so she she also says vulnerability without boundaries is oversharing Mm -hmm. right and so there's that 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 understanding of I can put this out there Mm -hmm. but in the I know who's around the table right now Mm -hmm. and that's another piece Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Or I can put that. I just, just knowing who's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other piece for me too, is like when I share things like this, and this is something that's been really helpful for some of my friends is there's no expectations. Like when I share it, it's a gift and you get to do with it, whatever you want to. So just putting like putting it that way, mm. I'm not expecting anything from this. It's yours to do with what you want. And if you don't receive it, that's great too. Like it's whatever so you need it to be. 
That's why people are afraid of showing up because mm-hmm. they're afraid of being inauthentic and, mm-hmm. and, and they're afraid of being vulnerable at the risk that people will see that as inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's power so for me to, in that. Yeah. But, I but mean, there's, for, for mm-hmm. me to show up and share something about my life or for you to share this, people could, people can receive this mm-hmm. as, oh, she's just sharing this story just to get attention, just to stand mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, okay. Yeah. That's how you receive it. But mm-hmm. I'm sharing my story. This is me being vulnerable in the right way. Like this is me mm-hmm. sharing this with you, opening up. Um, but that may that not stop you. May that not hold you back from sharing that stuff because somebody else is receiving this and saying, you're kidding, you too. Mm-hmm. I need this. Mm-hmm. And I need to know that I can get through it as well. Mm-hmm that's the power of it all. So I'm just so grateful that you're doing this, that you are, that you are so influenced by Brene Brown and that you are doing exactly (laughs) what she calls us to do. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. Really? I'm sure deep into those movies. Are you kidding me? So, um, but doing, doing that in, in, in sharing, not just the most vulnerable, it's not just opening your wound and saying, here, everybody take a look. It's because you've done the work to see what it means, mm-hmm. to identify the feelings. Mm-hmm. And in that, you're inviting us through that to experience that same transformation. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, it's so powerful what That's you're amazing. doing. Again, clearly you are gifted at um, at holding that space mm-hmm. that Lori held for you. That, mm-hmm. um, you know, over podcasts and whatever that was, that you find somebody who can encourage you, who can bring you in and give you some of that footing, some of that guidance to take that next step and really turn what you're experiencing into something that can help others. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you're doing exactly that same thing. So well done you, Rebecca. Thank you. <laughs> I definitely found my purpose. <laughs> Through a whole mess of things. <laughs> well, and this is it. So I would say, you know, if yours is a story of of what? Guarding yourself. Yours is a story of, of being being closed off to being opened up um, mm-hmm. from, from guarding to, to generosity. Um, then somebody is listening to this and again, finding themselves in that place mm-hmm. and feeling like they need to, to keep themselves closed off or doesn't want to anymore, but doesn't know what the next step is. Oh, yeah. That's and they the hardest want, part. They want what you have and what you where you're at. Um, how how should they get that conversation started? Where do they find you and and say, help me? Mm-hmm. So I'm on Instagram as MariaVenusip.com, and that's got a whole story behind it too. Marie is actually my middle name, and I was named after my grandmother, but it was also what Jamar called me. He called me Marie, not Rebecca. Hmm. So and then Venus, love. So that always has to show up. So Maria Venus. Um, is my Instagram handle, mariavenus.com. Um, and then you can find me on Facebook at the energy architect because it's also Brilliant. about the energy. Yeah. All the stuff that we didn't even touch today. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are, it's like levels upon levels upon levels, um, with you and what you're working on, what your mission is, um, the, the future impact that you see for yourself mm. and, and, I just, I'm so excited for you and I'm so grateful for your time here and sharing this story, diving in, going all over the place and, um, 
and really leading people towards this spirit of generous acceptance. I mean, how much more beautiful could it be other than maybe, you know, some, a car flying into a helicopter and duct taping a racket, a racket <laughs> to the top of a, what is a Fiero? <laughs> Look, it, yep. all, it all counts. It, it all belongs. Yep. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate this and the conversation as always. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street, and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.